Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this awesome day. Lord Jesus, we praise you for this passage. We praise you, Jesus, because you are holy and righteous and good. And as we sang, there is no one like you. Your name is the highest. It is the greatest. You are wonderful and glorious and perfect and holy. You are our Savior. You are our King, our Lord, and our friend. Father, we ask that you would just pour your love into our hearts today. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Bring encouragement and comfort and conviction and healing. And may your name, Jesus, be glorified. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You all may be seated. Well, welcome to the church at Woodbine. As I said early in the service, my name is Doug Jones, and I'm the campus teaching pastor. It is a joy seeing all of you. If you're here for the very first time, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. And this summer series, uh, the title is Life is Better in 5G. This is not an AT&T or a Verizon or T-Mobile announcement, but life is better in 5G. And over these next couple of weeks, we're going to go through the five G's of the life here at the church at Woodbine. Last week, we looked at gathering and giving. Today, we're going to look at groups and gospel conversations. And a quick little plug, we've started what we call summer Sundays. And at 930, we're gathering in the chapel and we're actually going through these five G's. And we're in circles, round tables, there is coffee, there are donuts, so we'll bribe you for with a donut or two. I had two this morning, so if I get sleepy, the carbs are really going to wear, wear me out. They're a Krispy Kreme. But gospel conversations in groups is what we're going to look at today. And we're going to hit here at Hebrews chapter 10. It's what Vladimir just read for us in Spanish. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And I'm going to go pretty fast because we've got the Lord's Supper today, and I really want to slow down for continued worship as we celebrate the Lord's table. But right here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, we're going to look at a passage that has three commands. And we're going to focus on the importance of groups. Now, last week I shared with you that if you take one pencil and break it, it's easy to snap. You can just snap it in half. But if you take a cluster of pencils together and you tie them together and you try to break them, you can't. And that's the same way in the Christian life. We cannot do this life by ourselves. We weren't created to just be you and Jesus or me and Jesus, and that's okay. We need one another. We are a body. And just as your finger needs the rest of the body to live, if it's severed from your hand, it will die. You'll still live but you'll suffer. And if you're cut off from the body of fellowship, you won't make it. Now, I've got a couple pictures, just the importance of being in a group. It's pictures of lions, also of water buffalo. These water buffalo actually are some of the most dangerous animals in the world. But for some reason, lions love to go after them. And if they get them alone, the water buffalo will be killed. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to show any nasty pictures up here. But when you see these water buffalo, if they stay together, the lions are going to run and they will take off. I love the pictures of the eyes of this lion right here. It's like, oh man, get me out of here. And if they're not careful, they will be treated. Why? 
because those water buffalo, those African buffaloes stayed together. We have an enemy, and he is a lion. Rugente, as they say in Spanish. Roaring, seeking, looking who he can devour. And if he separates us from the herd, he will wipe us out. That's why it's important that we stay in groups. We have Sunday morning groups. We have home groups. We have small groups. We have Bible study groups. We truly need one another. Right here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, really quickly, this is God's word for God's people. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but this is one of the most amazing books in all of Scripture. And it's talking about the old covenant, new covenant, how Jesus is a greater mediator and how the new covenant is far greater and it surpasses the old covenant of the Old Testament. And then the last couple chapters of this book right here, this little letter here of Hebrews, the author goes into numerous commands and practical Christian living. And look at what he says right here in verse 24. He says this, let us hold and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here are the three commands. Let us consider one another. The second command is let's provoke one another. And the third command is encourage one another. Real quickly, let us consider one another. What does that mean? How do we consider one another? There's a quick passage in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And this is a really challenging passage to obey. But we're commanded to. It's one of the 59 one another commands. But Paul, as he lifts up Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, right before he quotes an ancient hymn of who Christ is, that says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Right before that ancient hymn, this is the command. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Now, who's been selfish today? I have. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, what? Consider others more important than yourselves. So to consider others, what does that mean? Think about it. Ponder it today, tomorrow. I hope this command haunts all of us this week. Consider one another. How do you do that? And then Paul finishes. Consider people more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not only to his own interests. So we are commanded to look out for our own interests. But rather to the interests of others. So that's the first command here in Hebrews is to consider one another, to treat others the way we'd want to be treated, to consider their interests before our own, to not walk in conceit or selfish ambition, but look to look for ways to get up under someone else and lift them up. Their desires, if they're not sinful their time, their needs, their issues. Consider one another. The second command is provoke one another. Who likes to be provoked? Anybody here like to be provoked? Okay, who likes to do the provoking? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I had a brother, boy, he loved to provoke. It's other translations might say stir up one another. I think of just of a glass and just there was this special shrimp cocktail where we lived in Mexico, and it was how uh, oh, I just went drew a blank in Spanish. But it was basically just, they called it like a world tornado, a hurricane, because everything was all blended up. How do you stir up one another? Another translation in, in English is spur one another on. Now, what is a spur? It's those things on the back of a cowboy boot that the cowboys, when they're on their horse, they would spur the horse on. We're to spur one another on. We're to provoke one another towards love and good deeds. Now, I've got a great picture. I hope none of us are provoking with this type of attitude. Do you mind putting it on there, Hunter? Is it on there? Like, do we really want this type of guy to be provoking us to love and good deeds? Is that what it means? Now, I'm sure Clint Eastwood will probably provoke you. You know, he'll make your day. But we are commanded to stir one another up, to provoke one another to what? To love and good deeds. Now, the type of love that Scripture talks about is not the type of love in our culture today, which basically means I want to make sure that you're happy and you get to do whatever you want to do that makes you happy. That's not love. It's not even close to it. The biblical definition of love Agape, God's love. It flows from God, out of God, to the world. It is a radical, 100% commitment for the well-being of another. It's the radical commitment for the well-being of another. And sometimes that provoking, sometimes that stirring up requires to confront to rebuke, to exhort. That's why it's called spur one another on, provoke one another. There are times and places where we do need to, quote unquote, get in someone's face with gentleness and meekness and humility and kind of call people out. But the whole point is to love and to good deeds, to good works. It's not to shame. It's not to be intolerant. And it's not to prove oneself better or more right than the other. It's to get up under them and lift them up to Jesus. So we consider one another. We provoke one another. So if you've got to confront somebody, say, hey, I'm just provoking you. I'm spurring you on. Okay? The third one is to encourage one another. How do we encourage each other? Think about it just for a moment. How do we encourage one another? With words? With the listening ears? God's given us two, two ears, one mouth. Sometimes the best way to encourage someone is just to listen, to pray for, to share with them what God is teaching you. Or maybe just having empathy. And as you listen to somebody, it's to say, I'm sorry. Man, I don't even know what to say. But I'm here for you. 
or the sympathy, be, be like, yeah, I've gone through that too. And let me tell you how God has been faithful. There's a thousand ways that we can encourage people. Speaking life and encouragement into. I was convicted this morning in summer Sundays. I've got a child. I won't tell you who he is. He might have curly hair, but sometimes he does chores and work. And instead of saying, great job, I point out what he didn't get right. Well, that's real encouraging, isn't it? I won't tell you the son who it is, but you know, that, that's not encouraging at all. That's throwing him under the bus after a hard day of work, hard, hard days worth of work. How do we encourage? So consider, provoke, encourage groups. Here at Hebrews chapter 10, what else does this small verse say? Let us consider one another. Let us not neglect meeting as some are in the habit of doing. COVID has so spun our culture around that numerous Christians have slowly, very quickly isolated themselves from fellowship. It's just easier to watch online. It's just easier. I'll watch it later. And we're drifting. And just like those African buffalo, the lions will kill and destroy the weak, the lonely, the ones isolated and separated from the group. And we're commanded right here, don't neglect meeting as some are in the habit of doing. I want to charge all of us. We know people who are part of our fellowship. You know who've drifted away. Don't wait for the pastor to go find them. You call them out. You provoke them back to, to, good, to love and good deeds. You encourage them. It's our role. We'll continue to talk about groups because our groups are getting ready to start back up in August, early August. Our home groups will be starting up in mid-late August. We want everybody in a group and everyone on mission. Everyone in a group, everyone on mission. And may we truly follow this command here in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. I also want to invite those who are going to help serve and the Lord's Supper to come back up. I'm going to stop right there. We will do gospel conversations later. But my challenge for you is this. With this passage right here, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. How does this passage speak to you? What is God calling you to do? How is the Lord provoking you to love and good deeds?